Amen. Thank you, Derek, and the rest of the band. I, I may need to clear something up so you're praying for the right thing. I believe Alan's having a liver transplant instead of a, a kidney transplant. But go ahead and pray for both organs if you want to. But we want to make sure and get him covered. All right. Guys, we're, uh, we're continuing in this series of, of faith that works when, when life don't. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that there's five factors that are causing stress during this COVID uh, all around the world. Uh, and and we, we talked about viral infirmity and social instability. And then we have uh, financial insecurity and racial inequality and political incivility. I'm going to take a couple of weeks uh, to focus on this third issue of financial insecurity. That's right, I'm talking about money today. Money. Before you cut it off, stay with me and listen. It's a good one, I believe. And uh, lots of folks are out of work. Lots of businesses around the world are, are, are closed. This has created, this COVID has created an economic hardship for many, many families, especially single parent families and poor families were hit the hardest. You know, we're all in the same storm. I told you, we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. You know, some of us are in, in uh, yachts and some are in rowboats. Some are even hanging on and clinging on to a bit of driftwood. And the book of James uh, speaks so well of what we're to deal and how to deal with financial insecurity. And so next week, we're going to deal with a faith that handles wealth wisely. And today, a faith that doesn't need to hoard. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all remember early in this COVID, there was a run on toilet paper? Oh, my goodness. Y'all remember that? And what was it? Hand sanitizer? Paper towels? You couldn't find them anywhere. And it wasn't that I was scared, but I, I, I told my supply man, I said, I got to find some toilet paper. He said, we got plenty. Just how many? I said, send me a case. Well, I didn't know there was 96 rolls. Do you know what I looked like having 96 rolls in my small bathroom at the diner? I looked like I was hoarding. As a matter of fact, I'm still, I still have a lot of that toilet paper. And I'm not asking you to come get it, but if you need some, come get your roll. But anyway, it was, it was panic buying. It's what it was. People began to hoard everything. And, and doing, not as a statement of faith, but panic buying was evidence of fear. Evidence of fear. Folks were hoarding out of anxiety and worry. Now, there's other motivations for hoarding besides fear. So what is hoarding? And I gave you an explanation in your, in your outline, but I'm going to read it to you. Hoarding is this, the excessive accumulation of anything, particularly money or possessions. That's what hoarding is. And James wrote this letter to the very first church that was in Jerusalem. And, and, and because of intense persecution, these folks weren't allowed to meet together for public worship. They were forced to be scattered all over the Roman Empire. And this letter was written to encourage them and, and, and to encourage, discourage 
believers. It was also written for us as we read it in now 2021. And during this time, many folks had lost their jobs when James wrote this letter. They had lost their homes. They had lost contact with each other. Does all that sound familiar? It's a lot of folks. And, and during this test, James actually calls out the wealthy Christians in the church for hoarding their wealth in a time when fellow brothers and sisters needed help. There's lots of what's happening then and there is happening now. I believe, my opinion, we're witnessing the demise of the middle class. The rich are getting richer and the middle class seems to be dropping further and further down for the last 30 years. I believe it. Income inequality. You either have the very rich or the very poor. There's less and less that's in the, in the middle, just less and less. There's a rich use the poor sometimes to get richer. Guys, these guys in James's time, I'm talking about in James's time, there was no pensions. There was no health. There was no assistance. And the rich were using the poor. And so the poor were, were stuck in poverty. But James didn't pull any punches. You know, he's upset at the self-centeredness of the wealthy Christians who don't care about the economic inequality that's happening. He put it out there to those who were hoarding their wealth and not helping anyone. James 4.17 says, Remember, my brothers and sisters, that when you know the good thing you ought to do, but don't do it, then you sin. Well, first of all, I want to tell you this. James is talking to Christians. He's talking to believers that know the right thing to do. The second thing I want to point out is there's two kinds of sins. There's commission and then there's omission. When you do something that you know is wrong to do, that's the sin of commission. But the opposite is, is when you fail to do the right things, that's the sin of omission. You know you ought to do it, but you don't. And when I hoard my wealth that God has blessed me with, instead of helping someone, when I see a need, then I'm sinning. I'm sinning. James 4, 17 and then 5, 1 and 3. Let's read on it. So then you who are rich should grieve and lament because of the impending trouble that is headed your way. Your wealth is rotting and moths will eat your fine clothes. Your gold and silver will be worthless, but it will be a witness testifying against you that you have hoarded and piled up wealth in these last days. James was hot. He was mad. You know, knowing that there were wealthy members in the church who could care less for the poor who were barely surviving the crisis of that day. He was mad. Write this down here, because you need to know this. 
God doesn't oppose wealth. He opposes greed. Do you get that? God doesn't oppose wealth. He opposes greed. Now, if you were to turn on your TV, you know, today, and, and you listen to a lot of TV preachers, you could be confused about money. Some teach that God wants everyone to be rich and healthy. They teach that if you're poor, then you just don't have enough faith. We call them prosperity preachers. That's kind of one extreme. The other extreme, some preachers tell you that to, to be truly holy, that you have a, to live in poverty, that it's a sin to be wealthy. Guys, I got news for you. The word of God doesn't tell you that, that money is the root of all evil. Jesus never taught that, never taught either, either of those extremes. Both are not supported with the Bible. They are wrong. God ain't opposed to wealth. Lots of godly people in the Bible were wealthy. Abraham, Job. Job was the richest man on, on the globe. Abraham probably was at the time. Then Joseph was wealthy. David, Solomon, Barnabas. Another wealthy Joseph of Arimathea, however you say that, gave Jesus his burial cave. God ain't against wealth. He's against greed. He's against greed. You didn't get this. This wealth you have God, the Bible tells us that, that in, in Proverbs that God blesses you. So you didn't get this wealth in a dishonest way. So I want to tell you, the Bible says don't feel ashamed if God has blessed you with some measure of wealth. But you might feel ashamed if you haven't used it correctly. God is opposed, opposed to the abuse of wealth and the misuse and the hoarding of wealth. That you have hoarded and piled up wealth in these last days. I've lost my glasses again, so I'm using these I found. Write this down right here. Money is a tool to be used and not a thing to be hoarded. Money is a tool to be used and not a thing to be hoarded. Money is not to be just stockpiled when it, where it just doesn't do any good. Money's not to be stored up just for the sake of storing it up, having it and counting it. Guys, put it in circulation. Use money and love people, not love money and use people. And I got news for you. If you love money, you'll use people. You'll use people. Money is a tool. Don't pile it up. Well, some of you may say, well, Jim, doesn't the Bible teach a principle about saving? Yes. Saving and investing. Remember, Jesus told a parable 
you know, about a, about a couple of guys that double, tripled their money. You know, they in, invested it wisely. He said, you made the most of what you've been given. He said, you did good. He commended them. But there's a big difference between saving money and hoarding money. Remember, hoarding is extreme, excessive accumulation. So what's the difference between saving and hoarding? It's in your purpose and your motivation. It's in your purpose and motivation. People usually hoard money for one of two reasons. Let me give them to you right now. Write them in. Number one, out of fear for their security. That's why they hoard money. It's one of the two reasons. The second reason is this, out of pride for their status. Out of pride for their status. Fear and anxiety. Let's look at that first. You've heard of people that lived in poverty all their life. And then when they die, somebody goes to move them out and they open up the, they pull up the mattress and there's a couple of hundred grand on the mattress. They've lived in poverty all this time. They hoard because money has become an idol. It's become an idol. Holding on to the money has become their goal of life. They were so afraid to use their money that they, that they, that they wouldn't even, let me say, they were afraid to lose their money. They were so afraid to lose their money that they wouldn't even use their money. They just stuck it on the mattress. The money represented security. And many people who are Christians are doing the exact same thing with their bank account. They're putting their security not in the Lord, but in the bank account. Investments instead of God. And no matter how much they stockpile, here's the question. They always ask, do I have enough? Do I have enough? How much is enough? You're trusting your bank account more than you are God, more than you are his promises. And you're always hesitant to give it away, whether it's tithing or you always make excuses. You're hesitant to be generous to others. Why? What I hear is, well, I may need that money. I, I may need that money. What would I do without it? I'm going to tell you, hoarding is based on a, on a scarcity mentality. And saving is based on a stewardship mentality. Y'all get that? I'm going to say that one more time because that's good. Hoarding is based on a scarcity mentality. And stewardship is, I mean, saving is based on a stewardship mentality. You're not looking at your savings for security. You're not scared that you don't have enough. You're not too scared to give it away. A scarcity mentality is that you're afraid that God is not going to keep his promises. You're afraid that he won't. That's a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith to be not generous with what God has given you. 
to those in need. Because you think, God may not give me any more. That's the opposite of what God has promised in Scripture. Scripture says God always pays back hundredfold. I can testify to that. The more I give away, the more he gives me. You know, one of the most encouraging scriptures, and, and, and you'll know it as soon as I tell you, is Hebrews uh, 13, 5, where God says, y'all heard it, it says, I will never leave you, nor will I abandon you. You see it on posters, man. You see people have it tattooed somewhere on their body. But they never talk about the first half of the verse where it says don't hoard money. Let me read you Hebrews 13, 5. Where did I write that down? It goes like this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with whatever you have because God has said, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. See the context of this promise is about yours and my financial security. Don't hoard or love money. Be content with what God has given you. Here's a question that I want to ask you. And what are you investing for your future financial security? And what are you investing? Possessions or God's promises? I should say possession or God's presence. I will never leave you or abandon you. That's what we should invest in. Well, guys, I got to tell you, as your pastor and somebody loves you, if you have had a hard time in letting go of money, you're revealing an enormous lack of faith. An enormous lack of faith. Because you don't really believe that God will keep his promises to take care of you. And that's a scarcity mentality that you always need more. So the first reason that people hoard is insecurity and, and, and fear. The other reason is they're using their money to keep score. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Using the money to keep score. So number two, this, this out of pride for their status. It's the way they validate their value. It's the way they prove their status. It's the way they show off their success when they hoard money. Pride's an issue. So again, what's the difference between hoarding and saving? Motivation and purpose. Biblical saving is not security or status. Let me give you real quick three other reasons for biblical saving. Biblical saving. Write these down. I'm going to go through them. Number one, biblical saving is you save to practice self-control. You save to practice self-control. It's spiritual discipline. What you're doing is you're, you're practicing to live less on than what you make. Live on less than what you make. 
so that you can tithe, so that you can save, so that you can give generously to help others. And you're practicing self-control. And we all can use a little self-control. You see, that strengthens our character. You're building wisdom. Saving is a spiritual discipline against self-indulgence. We taught our kids, and, and, and I believe they're still living, living to it, to the 80, 10, 10. Where you, where you tithe 10%, you save 10%, and you live on the rest. Live on the rest. And, and you just live on the rest. Proverbs 21, 20 says, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Spends whatever he gets. It's a spiritual discipline of learning to live on less than I make and not to be self-indulgent. I hope I'm getting a bunch of amens through the TV here. Here's the second practice. Save to get money working for me. We save to get money working for me. Now, some of you I know say, what are you talking about? Here's the thing. You either work for your money or your money works for you. So which one are you? Any money that, that you save and invest is making money for you while you sleep. And that's a good thing because nobody comes becomes wealthy working for money. You become wealthy when you discipline yourself to make your money work for you. Saving and investing. The biblical principle is this, Ecclesiastes 11.1, invest what you have because after a while, you will get a return. Don't you remember Jesus commended these two men for investing their money? He said, good and faithful servants. Number three, save to be able to give to others. Save to be able to give to others. If I haven't learned to live on less than I make, if I have learned to less to live on less than I make, then I can set aside some of my earnings instead of living paycheck to paycheck. And if I learn to live on less than I make, then I get to become a giver instead of a taker. But some folks spend everything as soon as they get it. Living week to week, some folks spend it before they get it. I just listened around the counter this, this week. It's, no, last week, before that $600 check came, it was spent already for a lot of folks. They had it gone. It was wild. But if I spend it before I get it, there's no way I can tithe. There's no way I can save. There's no way I can be generous to other people. Ephesians 4.28 says, if you have been stealing from others, stop it. Make an honest living. Work hard. 
so you will have something to give to people in need. So you have something to give. If you save in other in order to share with others, guess what? They'll share with you one day in your need. It'll come back. Second Corinthians 8, 14 says, right now you have plenty and you can help others. There's some other time they can share with you when you need it. In this way, everyone's needs are met. I think Paul nailed it right there. I think he did. There's a difference between hoarding and saving. Hoarding is selfish stockpiling. Saving is strategic stewardship. I thought that was pretty good. I don't know where I read that. Hoarding is selfish stockpiling. Saving is strategic stewardship. Strategic stewardship. Now, in the New Testament times, James was writing this. Uh, uh, you know, they didn't have, in those times, they didn't have catalogs and they didn't have gadgets that you could spend all kinds of money on. There was really only three ways. And it may, I was talking to Sue yesterday. I was telling her this. There was really only three ways uh, uh, that you could uh, spend and, and, and hoard your wealth. Your wealth is considered in food, clothes, or, or gold and silver. There was no yachts. There was no vacations. There was no, no you know, fancy cars or nothing like that. It, it was those three things. And that's why he addressed things because food decays. It rots. You know, you're holding, hoarding up all this food and it's going to rot. You're trying to keep it, it it's going to rot. Clothes, what happens to clothes? Moths, bugs, whatever, they just, they get got, and, and in gold just fluctuates. You know, I got to think about that. What food rottens? It's the food in the back of your refrigerator that you ain't seen in months. Got other life forms growing on it. And it's just back there. And, and clothes, Every one of us, me included. I got clothes I ain't worn in years. Just hanging there. Hoping one day I'll fit in them again. Here's my point. Write this down. Whatever I accumulate will deteriorate. Whatever I accumulate will deteriorate. I want to end this or get close to ending it by reading this, this story that uh, Jesus, Jesus uh, told in Luke 12, verse 15 through 21. Jesus said, watch out. Always be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Real life is never defined or measured by how much you own. Then Jesus told him a story. A rich man owned a very productive and profitable farm. He thought to himself, what should I do with all this surplus harvest? I have no room to store it all. Then he said to himself, I know. I'll just tear down my barns and build myself bigger barns. 
Then I can keep all my grains and all my goods to myself. Then I can say to myself, I'm set. I've stored up more than I need for many years. I'll take life easy, eating, drinking, and enjoying myself. But God said to him, you're a fool. This very night, you'll die. Then who will get what you've hoarded for yourself? This is how it will be for those who will pile up stuff for themselves instead of building a rich relationship with God. Guys, as your pastor and somebody loves you again, don't put your hope in possessions. Put your hope in something that will never be taken away from you. Job can be taken away from you. Bank account can be taken away from you. Your health can be taken away from you. Your relationships can be taken away from you. Solid security is a relationship in Jesus Christ. It cannot be taken away from you. So my question for you really today is simple. Do you know Jesus Christ? I'm talking about do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because this is the key to security in your life. I want to close with about, about three verses real quick. Proverbs eleven seven says, when a wicked person dies, his hope dies too because the hope he placed in his riches comes to nothing. Comes to nothing. I remember a fellow was telling me one time about a lady, a very wealthy lady that committed suicide. And someone at, uh, what do you call it, a wake, said, man, I just, I don't, I don't understand. She had so much to live for. The old guy said, no. She had a lot to live on. She didn't have a lot to live for. Where's your hope? What's your hope? Do you have something to live for? that will outlast your own life? 1 Timothy 6, 18, 19 says, tell people to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always ready to share with others whatever God has given. Whatever God has given. By doing this, they are storing up real treasures for themselves in heaven. It's the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. This is the greatest anti-hoarding verse there is. Last one, Proverbs 11.4. Your riches won't help you on judgment day. Only righteousness will count then. Only righteousness will count. Our tendency is to hoard. Especially in the tough times. We're less generous. Sometimes we stop tithing. Sometimes we stop helping others. Guys, we got to trust in God and not our possessions. We got to be God-centered and not materialism. Centered. We've got to save for the right reasons. 
as the band comes, I'm going to ask you one more question. Have you opened your life to Christ to get that true security? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you talk so much about it. Thank you that, that Lord, I, I pray that we've trusted you with our, our very lives, our very souls, our eternity. Let us trust you with our bank account. So that we can use money and not people. That we can love people and use money. Lord, we thank you for this day. We love you and it's in the powerful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.